Hello, guys. Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis. I am your faithful co-host, Christy Mullen, but today I'm not here with Anna Mullen-Zellis. I am here with yet another terrific Anna. Anna Warman. Hello, hello. Say hello to the people, which you did so well. Thank you. Like, I'm I, really good at that, huh? I think you're very good at the hellos. I love a top of the morning hello to you. Top of the morning. <laughs> I'm like, Obviously, you can tell it's an early morning here I've on had a my Tuesday. coffee today. I have had none, but you know what? I don't think I'm going to need it. The guest we have on today's show oh. is going to be more than enough amp in my step that so if excited. I had coffee, I would probably be a detriment to all of those yep. around me. Nope. She's amazing. <laughs> I cannot wait to chat with her. We have not had the opportunity to meet in person, as we chatted about earlier, yes. but um, she, you know, there, there's the thing is, is that she has been... In the news lately. Mm-hmm. But I love this teaser we're giving the listeners. Who is it? <laughs> um, she's been in the news lately with like really, really great uh, projects with a rebrand and a purchase of an amazing uh, building that's going to mm-hmm. set the stage for amazing things. Um, but she's been doing her thing for a long time, and uh, I'm excited that she's finally getting the stage that she so deserves. So who is this amazing person? I was person? about to say, today's person we have really needs no introduction, but she you do need to know who it is. If you have not guessed it by now from our little hint and clues, <laughs> um, Victoria Jones is going to be here with us today. She is the director of Tone, and she is just truly, there is no other words to describe her than just a true Memphis powerhouse in every sense of the word. So we're not going to really waste too much of your time this morning, even though we love casual and fun back and forth. I know you guys heard my Space Jam diatribe a few episodes back. I'm sorry you're not getting that today because I need every ounce of this episode dedicated to this amazing guest we have today. So how about we get into it, Anna? Let's do it. Let's roll. Guys, we are here in studio with Victoria Jones. I am so happy to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Good, good. I'm glad you made it here. It right. sounds like you had some parking <laughs> it garage It was a journey. Issues. It was a journey. You know, it's, it's always about the journey, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we get That's it. the word. I love that's how I start this podcast. It's about the journey. Victoria, please tell me now. <laughs> We're going to get deep on your journey later. Right. Yes. But truly, I... Victoria, you do so much (laughs) in the Memphis community, and truly, I don't know how you sleep, but you do so many great things, and I know I've never gotten to meet you before, and it was so great to meet you today, and I know a lot about what you do now in the community, but I really want to, like rewind let's like go back to i want to hear about young victoria how what did Start she want to do like how did you get to where you are now yeah Ooh. um i like to tell the story of uh hanging out with my grandma when when i was like six seven years old she took me and my, my parents are in the military so we moved a whole oh, okay. lot so at the time we were living in virginia beach and she took us to uh the civil rights museum there i can't remember what it was called but <laughs> there uh I remember it because it was terrifying. Yeah. So the entrance was uh, made to look like the bottom of a slave ship. It's all these oh crates gosh. and um, wax figurines behind it and the sound system going. Mm. Like it's crying and moaning. And I remember being mortified. Like I'd, And that's how I learned about blackness. And like my grandma was really intense in making sure we understood where we were from, how we got here. Um, and so I got to school, kindergarten, uh, <laughs> the following week. 
and I attacked my kindergarten teacher. (laughs) uh, Just like screaming, I know what you did to us. She was a little Vietnamese woman, so she had literally no idea what I was talking about. But like that was like for me knowing early, early on that something wasn't right. it's a pivotal moment for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a very scary way to learn about our, our story at that age. Yes. But I think it, it was it was in, important for me to be able to lock in on something in, in terms of like wanting to finding purpose in life. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of where it started. I think I've <laughs> refined the approach a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you don't go out attacking people every day <laughs> as much as I would like to. No, I do not. <laughs> um, pick and choose. Pick and right. choose. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, she, she was around for a while and then, um, after she passed, just, we bounced around, bounced around. And so I went to predominantly white schools, my entire, like, uh, elementary, middle, high school. And, um, my mother, as she would move, uh, and get relocated in the military, she would always ensure that, uh, we, me and my sister went to like the best schools, mm-hmm. which almost always meant white schools. Right. And so in those spaces, uh, with a very clear understanding of like where I came from and, uh, where my folks came from, also having to identify like who I am in this space. And right. I, I also got the chance to see how black folks can show up regardless of where they are and build community. And so by the time I got to college, uh, that idea of community was like really, really, really important to me. And, um, <laughs> there was a, a building, I went to Middle Tennessee State, and mm-hmm. there was a, uh, still is to this day, a building on campus called Forest Hall. Um, I thought it was like forest because of all the trees. The trees, right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, realized there was only one R, and my one of my uh, professors had to explain to me uh, what who it was named after. Like, I truly had no idea. Um, and so we actually started a black student union shortly after that, just trying to figure out how we can set ourselves up to be a part of change. Um, that money is old, white and Southern at MTSU, so the name wasn't changing. But we did get a chance to see what that kind of community could do. And um, I think graduating from college, I was like, where do I put this energy? Right, <laughs> right. What do I do? You have all this passion and all right. this readiness to do something. <laughs> like, where do you do? Exactly. And so I got to uh, Crosstown Arts. That was my first, like, job out of college. Um and the very first exhibition that I worked was a show by Lester Merriweather, mm. brilliant visual artist, mm-hmm. and um, wanting to build community around storytelling. And so I didn't know what it was, how we were going to do I didn't know anything. I just was right. like, I want, <laughs> one, I just want to talk to somebody about this work. Like, <laughs> it's good work. I want to share this with somebody. So at first it was just me calling, like, friends, cousins, other artists that I knew in the city to just come check the exhibition out. And then kind of grew from there into, like, working with folks to organize shows, use the resources at Crosstown Arts. Um, And we had a chance to see what community could do Mm -hmm. and didn't want it to be kind of siloed at Crosstown. Um, And wanted to start thinking about a citywide approach that would give us the space, give creatives the space to really start rebuilding and um, valuing our communities in ways I don't know if they've been valued before we... We think about barbecue, we think about blues, we think about Elvis when we think about this city, but there's no focus, no love shown to the innovation that black creatives are consistently showing up with. And mm-hmm. like, how do we really, really highlight that, build a platform for it, give those folks a megaphone so they can do that work. And in turn, that creative expression finds a, a multitude of ways to rebuild our communities, to empower black communities. And so 
um, for us, it was like, how do we get these black artists and black creatives everything they need to tell our stories so that we can start empowering our communities? And in my mind, you do both of those things and you start to shift the culture of Memphis. Um, yeah. I love blues. I really do. And I really love barbecue. I don't like Elvis, but <laughs> I'm here for those things. But there's so much more to us. Yeah. And um, I think we miss out on on the rich culture of this city by continuing to ignore and put on the sideline those really important stories. So let, let's let's dive into that a little bit. Um, I think that that's such a powerful story. Um, and I mean, it really started at such a young age, mm-hmm. right? That that purpose of community and, and the change that can occur mm-hmm. um, with that. But what you were just describing is, you know, in essence, what the, you know, mission of Tone is. So I'm going to go back to that and just ask you, you know, why is it important to share creativity and knowledge across the spectrum of blackness? And then I want to dive a little bit deeper after that into why do you want to elevate Memphis as a global and cultural beacon? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just a lighthearted question right. for your morning, right? <laughs> um, so for us, I'll say for me, uh, and what I believe is true for our entire mm-hmm. team, sure. is um, we have opportunities to highlight black excellence. And I'm putting mm-hmm. quotes around black excellence because that typically means something very specific you got to have on a suit you have to speak a certain way to like fit Mm. into the category of what most people think of as black excellence but um our hope in in considering the entire spectrum of blackness is that there's excellence in every single space every way we show up um and it's just an opportunity for us to champion all these different stories it's great right like i i'm I'm here for black doctors and black lawyers and folks who are wearing suits like i'm here for Mm -hmm. it do your thing but (laughs) i'm also here for the folks wearing golds and right where like whatever it is however you're showing up um i know that 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 perseverance that is required for just like face level existence Mm -hmm. that should be honored regardless and then if we get past perseverance to where you're finding ways to thrive and show up and tell your story, like that to me is one of the most honorable celebratory moments. I agree. <laughs> and it, it, for me that, so thinking about the entire spectrum, that is a huge, um, a huge piece for us. And I think it's, it gives us a chance to think about all the ways we can be excellent. And so that's when I'm thinking about creativity across mm-hmm. the spectrum, that, that is the, the core for me yeah I mean when you when you give people the tools and the space Mm -hmm. you know um whether that be physical space or just space generally um to excel they're going to yep right it may not be your vision of what excelling is and and I don't think that anybody really fits into a box Mm -hmm. per se um but when you give people those tools in that space they're going to surprise you and they're going to um you know, excite you in some manner. And, and I, you know, I think that's so cool. So, um, you spoke so eloquently about that. So why do you think, um, it's important and why do you want to elevate Memphis, Memphis itself, right? You said that you've moved all over the the world. Um, and you know, you went to school, to school at MTSU. Um, why Memphis? Why do you want to elevate Memphis as a global cultural beacon? Um, well, that's a two part. So that like okay. while I <laughs> while I moved all around, this has always been home. So grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody 
is based here. Oh, yeah. um, they've started to sprout out. Like, this has been my home <laughs> this base. This is home base, right. yeah. Um, and, and to a military brat that didn't have much consistency, to have a consistent spot, I, they were, this city was always going to have some version of loyalty for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and then, y'all, because I, and I can't say all around the world, I can say all around the state, <laughs> states, but I, have not been, I, have, I haven't spent a lot of time outside of the country. Um, but I have gotten to see how other, and I'm not shading nobody else, but I've seen yeah. other creative scenes and no one has one that's as magical as this one. If I had an applause button, I'd hit it right now <laughs> so hard. It's, um, there's something to be said for the places like LA and New York where they the infrastructure exists. So mm -hmm. any, not anybody, but it's pretty easy. Easy might still be lazy easier. language. Right, easier to consider yourself an artist and then directly find a pathway to yeah. like see that uh, become a career. In this city, the folks who are sticking it out, there is no infrastructure currently. We're building it, right? But there is no infrastructure currently. So there's a different level of hustle. There's a different level of like passion. There's a different level of commitment that the artists here show up with, mm -hmm. and which makes this art scene incredible. I, I don't like that it took the grind. Like, if we talk about grit and grind, I right. hate that that's what it takes yeah. to, to, to create that. And I think the artists here are worthy of more than that. But I will say that every time an artist leaves this, incubator that we've created they get on so i see designers leave go to new york and la they get on i see rappers leave and they get on. i see producers same thing at uh mm. time and time again and so it's just again like if we're thinking about this is kind of on the internal and then i'll talk about uh thinking about the beacon part but like if we're thinking about our well, i let them leave <laughs> we're just <laughs> shooting our best yes. and brightest out and so what do we what is what is the investment in keeping these folks around because they're gonna return it mm -hmm. every time. So if we can create the space for them to lock in and get what they need, get fed, like basic needs, getting met, can pay their rent, can yes. get some food, um, live comfortably, and then sit here and think about Memphis and create for this city, then that changes everything. I get goosebumps on that. Same. <laughs> but like when your basic needs are met, right? When everything you have changes. those things met, you have that time to fully devote and feed That's into it. your creativity and that process. That's it. And we're seeing what folks can do with just a percentage of that. So we'll imagine when those basic needs are met. It's mm -hmm. going to be insane. And I'm speaking for our team. Like, we are just now getting to the point where we're even able to consider salaries. We've mm -hmm. been doing this out the mud, like, really from the beginning. Like, folks have been volunteering, and then we were able to do, like, monthly stipends. Um, well, before monthly stipends, like, we could just do, like, we, right. we would call them bonuses. So folks <laughs> would just get checks when we had the money. Yeah. And now we're at this place where we're doing monthly stipends. But... The team um, has been doing incredible work the same way I see artists across the scene doing incredible work with like less than the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And so I am beyond inspired about the potential of what happens when folks don't have to consider, am I doing dinner tonight or am I doing gas? Right. And that, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we're thinking, to the second part of that, thinking nationally about the beacon, the South has something to say, and I think we get left out of all the mm -hmm. most important cultural, artistic conversations in the nation because we've just <laughs> because we've been putting out just one side of the story, right. and folks are not that's not that engaging and it's not that interesting. But if we are able to like honor the other stories, the most marginalized stories, I I know that the South, like as a whole, can transform that art conversation. But I also believe that Memphis is the place that happens because 
right now, bias obviously, but we're gearing <laughs> out the best artists that there are in, this, in the in the nation. I mean, I don't think that's bias. I think that's just a correct opinion. <laughs> correct. <laughs> like, and I'm thinking like across the like folks who have a percentage of the resources. I'm thinking about the Taliba Sophia's, yeah. Don Lifted, mm-hmm. uh, all the folks at Unapologetic. Like all of yep. these folks have been turning around incredible artistry. Um, for the city to pretend like they don't exist, mm-hmm. and that that goes from like this kind of under. I, I don't I don't know if I consider them underground because I feel like the folks who know know, but that goes all the way from them folks to the Pushaistes and the Young Dolphs. Like at no point has the city celebrated these folks. We have shied away from it because we're afraid of rap. We're afraid mm-hmm. of the culture that we're creating here. But it could be our most important and like mm-hmm. valuable contribution uh, to culture and art. So the day that changes, I think. I think the city shows up in a different way. We can't. We have the capacity to show up with the same honor and like legacy of a New Orleans, or the yes. same honor and legacy of an LA. Like the infrastructure has to be built, but the folks are already here. Yes, the folks <laughs> and the talent are here, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of the same as you. As a creative, I get very excited and impassioned by mm-hmm. these conversations. And you said, you know, the South has something to say. And I fully agree with you that that narrative has been so Mm one-sided. Like when you involve and invite everyone to that conversation and to contribute to that, I'm going to use air quotes now that no one can see, (laughs) like that conversation, right, Mm -hmm. of what's happening. Big things happen. And as I hear you talk kind of about your story and everything you're saying, it's really apparent to me that the mission was born first and then you figured out the how later. (laughs) I think that's a really good thing, though, like because because I want to talk about the how. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about, you know, how you got here. And obviously your passion just comes through without you even really saying <laughs> it. It kind of just exudes from your pores, honestly. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the how, the how of the work. I know yeah. we started with the collective, mm-hmm. which I know has been recently rebranded to Tone. Yeah. But originally the collective, where did that come from how did it stem yeah so it was like uh legit us trying to get more black bodies in crosstown so how do we have shows that Mm -hmm. black folks aren't just visiting or getting to participate in but it's black folks thought about at the core of this experience so that at every point you feel like you're being spoken to not overhearing um and from there was just like yo we gotta we gotta take this there was a spark. <laughs> Got to take this something. on the road, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so started programming in a bunch of different places. And we're, we were nomadic for, what, four years? Yeah. Just on the move, showing up wherever there was space Which offered. was kind of cool, right? It was cool, partially, right? Because <laughs> it, the, the power dynamic in that is can be tough. Mm, and so if, if an institution can say, well, we're offering you space, then they don't have to think about actual the compensation. Rest of it, yeah. yeah. And, um, it has the, us having access to consistent space has completely changed that conversation. But say, yeah. it was enjoyable to be able to pop up in South Memphis and then pop up in Orange Mound and then pop up in North Memphis. Like that part is, and we're still actively looking on ways that we can partner to intentionally that. to do that sure. in a way that honors the creativity mm-hmm. and experiences of the folks we want to introduce to those spaces. Because that ain't always the case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've been in spaces where security guards have asked us what we're doing and been escorted out. We've been in spaces mm. where uh, one of the artists that we invite to like participate in the event one of the older white patrons of this gallery handed her her dirty dishes assuming that she was on staff oh my gosh um it has always been us borrowing space and as long as we do that there's a very like troubling and problematic Mm -hmm. power dynamic that exists there and it's only once we have our own home that we can demand more in the spaces as we're visiting so we're trying to figure out what that looks like (laughs) right well wow i just that 
to what you just said though like owning that space and really embodying your own space mm-hmm. goes miles and I think you guys are very much getting there which yeah. is exciting so talk a little bit before we jump into the Orange Mound Tower which yeah. everybody knows that I'm going to get to <laughs> because I can't wait sure. but I know I want to talk a little bit about the rebrand so you guys yeah. started as the collective I know there were some challenges there that I'd love to hear you kind of talk about and then how did we get to tone for sure so um when we first started, it was a few artists in different mediums, uh, and we were sitting around a table just trying to figure out, what is this? What are we doing? And we came up with the collective thinking it was mm-hmm. extremely original. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. I love the name, yeah. but I also know what you mean by saying that. <laughs> and thinking, like, truly that this work only happens if there's a collection of us, like mm-hmm. that we have to be together right. to make this happen. It ain't one or two people. What I was finding as I was traveling, kind of going to different conferences, getting invited to these different cohorts, is that I had to spend the first two minutes or so explaining, no, not that collective, no, yeah. not that type of collective. <laughs> not that kind of artist collective, yeah, thank you. <laughs> right, and so, because folks, and I, I get it too, right, mm-hmm. like in the art world, the idea of a collective is that it's a group of artists and they're having shows for themselves, but... Mm-hmm. There was a time when we had a strict rule where you couldn't be in a show that you programmed Mm -hmm. because we wanted to ensure there was space for other folks. We've gotten a little more flexible on that because we've got so many talented artists on the team. But Gosh, you really do. We'll talk about those people (laughs) later because I cannot interrupt you again right now. (laughs) For sure. Um, And so we we just kind of buckled down, um, tried to do it alone at first. Mm Mm-hmm. We are not marketing or branding experts and realized that pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and so we got to work with Baby Grand. Um, mm. And they just, whoa, phenomenal. Great people, good work, great work. And uh, led us through a pretty intense process for us to help to help us understand who we are and how we wanted to show up, the language we wanted to use, how we wanted to talk to our people. Um, and so we landed with Tone and the idea that it gives us so much flexibility. Like, we can talk about tone as color we can talk about tone as the tone of your voice we can talk about to- like it shows up and then i've the most for me the most obvious one is in skin tone and so we get mm-hmm. to really play with that spectrum of blackness too and um we haven't done any of that yet we've just been sitting with tone and so right. i'm just very excited to know that our brand the way baby grand has set us up there's a brand there that can just continue to, to grow expand and expand, and expand. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. you know i will say like i've i've always just been so enamored with the collective from the beginning um but you know when christy actually is the one that made me aware of the rebrand and when she told I me literally about busted it, into her office i was like have you seen this image <laughs> 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 I was like, but really and and when she did i i immediately felt it in my soul mm. i don't know how else to describe that but i did i got the goosebumps i understood i love it you know where you were coming from mm-hmm. and where you could go and where you are going and um i just think it's so so awesome Thank and i think that, that that really you know is is the next step um i think That's that it really weird. sets the stage and um you mean it's setting the tone anna hey oh. come on <laughs> what's come up on. <laughs> I think it really gives that message though to that is it's what you guys are doing really ask if not me who Mm. and I think that's really cool from a creative lens because Mm -hmm. I think it's something we don't usually ask I'll speak for ourselves in terms of creatives like Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think we always see ourselves in that light I hear that and I feel like it just Tone is a mission, but it's also a challenge, mm-hmm. and I like that. Wow. I love that. I love that. One of our 
board members always teases us. Uh, he, he says it two different ways. One, y'all will jump off the cliff and figure out where you're going to land on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> and the second, like, building the plane as you fly. Yep. Those are the two, like, the ways he's described it. And I, I that's it. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is mortifying but there's also some really really empowering stuff that happens when you're getting to build your own path um well and i think you know and we'll talk about the orange mound the orange mound tower later (laughs) but i think that that is a great step in the direction to where you're not required Mm -hmm. to build the plane while you fly while you fly it right I, i think that it's it's really helping you create that stable ground mm-hmm. of which you can you on know. a landing strip yeah, yeah. <laughs> look we're, we're some here sort of directional right. path to get you where you need to go That's it. so you guys you guys are kind of centered in orange mound now correct mm-hmm. i want to hear a little bit of why how did that become home base like I what what went behind that decision yeah so we went the year we were looking, so it was 2018 that mm-hmm. we were looking. We were like, we got to figure this out. Right. It, like a, a lot of those, like um, we had th- like the lady handing one of the artists a dirty plate was not unique experience. We had, mm-hmm. And then we ended up having them back to back to back. And um, like we can't, we can't continue like this. We can't keep inviting artists to violent right. spaces. We can't keep putting ourselves in violent spaces. And um, also if we want this to sustain past like, our lifeline like it ha- we have to we have to uh, drop an script. anchor yeah. yeah so we started looking um, we had been doing some programming at Orange Mount Gallery uh, already but we were getting tapped by a few other folks like hey come activate and I'm putting air quotes again <laughs> activate this space for us um, for the next two three years we'll offer you X amount of rent but I do want to be upfront that by the third or fourth year it will go up mm-hmm. so at least everybody being honest about it but yeah, that's that's fair, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. <laughs> and so for for us it was like really thinking like if uh if folks are finding value in our work in a way that they believe it can activate spaces, like why There's not, something there. Right. Why not consider activating our own space, one that honors and reflects the stories we want to tell. And so we were outside of Orange Mound Gallery after an exhibition, I think it was fiber, but um there was somebody they driving past in a box Chevy, uh, sitting on some nice size Rams. I can't remember what song was playing, but <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is home." Everybody here's looking me in my eyes. Everybody yeah. here is like speaking for the most part. Um, these are my folks, and and it, it made sense. It was the most honored I'd ever felt in our storytelling wow. in that neighborhood. And then you like couple that with the insane legacy of that neighborhood. Um, to to be able to exist in a space that was built by newly freed slaves, yep. uh, the the homes, the businesses, the community, the school, like built by folks new to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to be able to exist in that legacy, I can't think of a single other spot in the city that would have made more sense. And I think uh, it's easy to get because there there are the issues right like the disinvestment in that community is i'm what are the, what's a diplomatic word i can use it's it it's <laughs> it's awful the city has done it's a terrible astronomical. job yes, it's, there we yes. go. has done a terrible job I, <laughs> I yeah has done a terrible job 
investing in what is the most, in my opinion, most important city in right. this, uh, in this most important neighborhood in this city. And we think about spots like Harlem mm -hmm. and the, and the way that city holds that neighborhood up. And we had the opportunity to do the same thing with Orange Mountain. And instead we decided to invest in every neighborhood touching it and completely ignore it. it ignore the schools ignore the streets there are no safe crosswalks there are no speed like we have done a terrible job of honoring the space the history and the legacy of that neighborhood and so for us it was an opportunity to lean into our, our what we could do to invest mm -hmm. in it yeah. um but we also are hyper aware that as long as we don't own anything it still could be dangerous and so we're still trying to figure out and i know we're going to talk about orange mount tower in a second but trying to find ways to ensure that us entering that creative energy into a neighborhood that has been disinvested in um that uh, is product like owned by slum lords that we're not setting nobody up um do you have a space a safe space trying to figure that out because yeah. <laughs> I, I think um the person that owns the shopping center that we exist in does not live in the neighborhood. And for that reason, I think it's hard for uh, for him to care about it the way I, I, I yeah. want to or I would want him to. And so we have had a number of like structural issues and just like the, the, like what the way property owners typically show up in predominantly black neighborhoods. There's a high level of neglect, um, disregard and an assumption that black folks only want chicken and furniture rentals and so in this space trying to offer an alternative narrative um can be challenging at mm -hmm. times yeah no i think that was very well said i think when someone is just in charge of a structure in a community mm -hmm. and not a part of that inherent mm -hmm. community it's easy to make assumptions and it's easy for them not to necessarily hear the needs mm -hmm. of the people that are occupying these spaces and living in these places it's more it's honestly it's easier to shrug it off right mm -hmm. it's more like okay well i fixed your toilet that was leaking what else do you want kind mm -hmm. of thing um so i think i think you said that in a very great way that it is like you guys are trying to invest in the space and all you're asking is that the people that do own these places currently also consider investing in the spaces mm -hmm. they own since they take up that community i, I think see. that is perfectly reasonable request <laughs> quite frankly um but I kind of I have so many questions for you but I know we like need to shift because <laughs> speaking of amazing places and spaces stinking orange mountain tower Victoria Yay. I went to, let me just tell you <laughs> I met James Dukes on this podcast or excuse oh. me aka I met my beats depending who when we're talking about yeah, him yeah, yeah. but I met him doing this podcast and he is such an amazing individual. Mm -hmm. So when I saw this article, I've never met you before, but I know you. I know who you are. You're like this Memphis powerhouse of a person. And I saw you and him. Mm -hmm. I saw a picture and I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> I I know this is something big. Like why? And when I read it, I was I was so excited mm -hmm. just because of what you guys are doing. So Orange Mound Tower, tell the people if you are unfortunate enough not to know what I'm talking about guess what you're about to get in on it what is it how did it come to be give me all the deets I yeah, need them <laughs> for sure so um Orange Mound Tower is uh the old United Equipment Building some folks call it Wayne Feed Building um and it is one high rise surrounded by about 80,000 square feet of warehouse space that sits on right now it sits on 10 acres um <laughs> 
and we're really considering all of it's been abandoned um it's mm -hmm. been vacant for about a little over 20 years and wow. um we're ready we're ready to pump some energy into it that's not just additional factory space or storage space but in a way that could truly empower the creatives and the artists that make this city so special um alongside the community of orange mound that if given the shot can really 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 shine some light on the on the on the soul of this city um in a way that i don't know if any other neighborhood could mm -hmm. so why that space who uh honestly we had originally considered doing the shopping center we thought, okay, when we first signed our lease, it was 40% vacant. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we can invite all our creative friends to join us on this strip. Um, and so I hit up Nemo and was like, hey, and knowing he's from Orange Mound, like, mm -hmm. I know you're looking for space too. Would you consider linking up? Let's like, get in this shopping center together. And uh, he was down, yeah. immediately <laughs> down. And so um, that was the moment I knew that we could do something. And then uh, we went from there to like con contacting a few other art organizations that we had worked pretty closely with. And um, I'd had a really, really great meeting and I remember hitting Nemo up and being, or James up and being like, hey, this meeting went really great. They're ready to go, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yeah, he was like, if we don't own this space, we can't start entering folks in here. Mm -hmm. So pumping the brakes um, and had to like really, truly start considering what ownership meant in a way that I hadn't in the past. Uh, I think it felt like such a long shot because we had not seen any real investment. Uh, at the time, the only like philanthropy we were seeing was from Hyde Foundation. They were like our first, I think, local mm -hmm. believer. But um, shout out it, Rachel Knox. Yes. Shout out to Rachel so Knox. Much. Man, you talk about a Memphis powerhouse. Yes, <laughs> trust me, she knows I'm obsessed with her. Yes, <laughs> like, uh, we are. We all should be. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she, she made some magic happen for us to where we were able to get into the space. I tell folks all the time, we wouldn't have been in that space had it not been for Rachel. Um, and then, but that that also, because we were struggling getting any other like real traction with mm -hmm. other funders, I, I hadn't really been able to wrap my mind around ownership for real. Um, but with with folks like Daryl Cobbins and Bill Gaines, uh kind of coming around and, and championing us in this idea, I was like, oh, there might be something here. Right. We might be able to do this. <laughs> and um, so we started trying. We started meeting with other art organizations to see if they'd be down if we did figure out ownership. And it was like an easy yes for most folks. A lot of folks grew up down the street. I grew up in Castaneda. Yeah. I grew up in like So folks are ready to be a part of this reimagining um, of that space. And then... Um, we were in the middle of conversations with the property owner and he sold it to another property. Like, so the current mm. property owner is not the one that we signed the lease with. Oh, wow. But yeah, so in the middle of us trying to figure it out, he sold it to someone else. I just, oh, yeah, I was devastated. You, yeah. yeah. Like, I heart just, just falling straight to your feet at yep. that point. For like a couple of weeks, I, I was really, really confused and like really hurt. Like, I, I couldn't understand. I'm very much a, I believe there's a like, purpose and all these things. Yeah. So it's very hard for me. It was very hard for me to understand the purpose and that kind of loss. Um, but I, uh, I think 
had it not happened, we never would have looked across the street. We were always thinking of uh, United Equipment at the time mm-hmm. um, as a phase two, like a, we'll get mm. this shopping we'll center figured out and move yeah. it, yeah, and then we'll start thinking about a campus across the street. And I think the universe was like, no, all the way around. <laughs> you got to leap, take yeah. it, just and go ahead and step off that cliff, that's right? It, exactly. And so it, getting a chance to start from scratch and look at like a low-key, like a blank ca- canvas. And so what is it for us to get into this space with all this warehouse space, it's tower space, it's all like, and reimagine a future for, for our communities and our creatives. And so started like, I think zeroed in on what we wanted it to become, a hub for black innovation. Mm-hmm. And then started considering the pieces that needed to be present for that to be a reality. And have been working at it ever since. Like <laughs> um, thinking about um, gallery space for t- tone, thinking about gallery space, artist residency space, mm-hmm. uh, shared making space, and uh, then thinking about unapologetic host holding uh, performing art space, studio re- recording studio space, uh, design space, and then who we can work with to continue to build out that creative offering. And then couple that creative offering with small business incubation. So mm-hmm. thinking that like there's a huge potential for us to be um, finding ways to leverage our creativity and storytelling to empower the small black businesses that exist in the neighborhood and around the city. And um, what magic can happen when, when really brilliant folks are just in proximity of each other. Yes. And then what happens when we take it a step past that and get really intentional about how we're sharing our resources, how we're empowering one another, um, how we're re- rebuilding one another. So we're not having, every time we need something, we don't have to go outside of our community to go get it. Um, so that's, that's, that's the, in the shortest way I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a passion or you have a vision and you have the passion, right? And, um, it seems like you have a really great team around you mm-hmm. generally um, outside of your, your main core team, which I do want to talk about in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, you mentioned Daryl, you mentioned Rachel, um, amazing friends of ours and people that we, we highly respect. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you missing? Who are, Capital. who are you missing? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> That financial investment. Yeah, so we've gotten some really, really, really wonderful funders to the table uh, with Cataly Foundation. They were the first folks to, like, really believe in us. And that happened through Anasa Troutman from Claiborne mm-hmm. Temple. Yep. And the way that woman thinks about community building and shared prosperity has changed my life. <laughs> but she uh, connected us with the folks who helped her uh, purchase Claiborne. And... Um, they are so dedicated to investing in community-based organizations mm. as opposed to going to find someone outside of community to come, quote-unquote, fix Things the thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yep. Um, and they came by the gallery, um, got to talk talk with them about the space, and then got to look across the street and talk about what, what the vision and the uh, goal would be across the street. And they agreed to... F- help fund it in a way that we could purchase the building. Wow. But we had to find a local match because they wanted to know that the mm-hmm. city believed in us too. I was panicked. I was like, <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. But I'm going to have a, a minute to figure it out. Though, <laughs> just right. like. um, because uh, traditionally, like 
there isn't a ton of investment for black ownership. Mm -hmm. And that's just, especially in this city. And so I was fearful. But then we found someone locally that would uh, stand beside us Mm -hmm. as we're figuring it out. And that has completely changed everything. So we were able to, with Catalyst support, we were able to purchase the property. And then with the anonymous support, we were able to lay out some uh a pathway for uh pre-development and yeah. so wow. have been able to work with community uh community development advisors have been able to start a fellowship program that yep. i'm really excited about we were able to invite four emerging black developers that have uh worked on different development projects but never one large and like just an opportunity to one put something a project like this on their resume but mm-hmm. two nemo and i or james and i never really considered becoming developers that was not something I thought I would ever put mm-hmm, on my resume. Sure. <laughs> um, but if we're going to learn this, it needs to be a shared knowledge. Absolutely. So who does want to do this work? Who has always dreamt of putting this on their resume yes. and ensuring that those folks are um, on the journey with us? So that for us right now is Jasmine Bowden. Um, she's been doing some incredible work. She works alongside me on the community engagement and community development front with Tiana Piles. Um, and then L.D. Humphreys, he's been doing some really cool – He like he's got his – fingers and toes and so many really great construction projects and so he's been able to uh really lead the fellows in our construction architecture conversations um oh lord we've got a new addition kenny worlds who is doing <laughs> our yeah who's uh really helping us think about marketing and branding oh he's great he's so good <laughs> they all are y'all and it's like truly truly um uh, it's something because it's like I think in 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 the past in other institutions I've heard it sound like charity work, but we are literally bringing the most brilliant, brightest folks to this table, mm-hmm. and they're making this project stronger. And it's it I, I'm so excited to see what happens when these folks do have it on their resume and are able to turn around and do even bigger projects. Like it's going to change the city. Having black developers is going to change, especially in a moment like right now, mm-hmm. like when there's so much development happening and it and all looks women exactly in that the space same. as well too. Yes. So that's incredible. I mean, like in that, that even speaks to the mission, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just like this, it's an incredible story. So, so we've talked a lot about those um, supporters outside of your small team, but let's talk about your small team. So from Nubia to Amber to Lawrence and everyone in between, <laughs> right? You have an amazing team. Yeah. Um, you've alluded to this, but I really want to speak to how you lead hmm. um, and how you support them. Uh, I w- <laughs> I'm always, I want to think I'm self-aware, but I'm, I'm, can I answer that? <laughs> I think uh, I, I would hope, right, on my best day. Mm-hmm. My hope is that my leadership style, I don't know if y'all got to watch Lovecraft Country. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I did. I'm so sad that it only gets the yeah. one season. It's ridiculous. That's another conversation. I'll have you back. I'll have a special edition podcast <laughs> yeah. about Lovecraft Country. For sure. Um, but do you remember the Name Yourself episode? And uh, when she was like, like literally, I guess the... Yes, 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 yes. That is the leader that I hope I am. I hope okay. that I am... The one that's like name yourself. Who are like you? Mm-hmm. Tell me who you're you empowering. Are. Your yeah, team. I hope so. I think there are days when maybe I'm tired or it's really hard, and I might not be able to put that hat on fully. But mm-hmm. on my best day, I, my hope is that I'm showing up uh, in a way that supports them as individual team members um, for tone, but also that supports them as artists and creatives. And I think these folks have been showing up and doing this work for so long for crumbs 
that I, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be some kind of villain, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in, in honoring that, that work and that investment, is, it, it really is empowering folks to name themselves and mm. uh, finding the resources to put behind that name. I love um, that. I love that. I really, I, not just because of the callback to Lovecraft Country either. I think it's powerful in its own it right. Yes. It is. It really resonates with me too. So, so let's, let's lean into that a little bit, right? You want them to name themselves. What is something that they have come to the table with that is really, you know, where you're like, dang, are you sure you shouldn't be leading me at this point? <laughs> like, that happens every day. <laughs> that's how you know you have a kick butt team. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Um, I can go down the line, man. Uh, Nubia Yassin. I've never seen, heard, witnessed anybody weave together a story the way she does. Can I just, I don't want to interrupt you because it's super rude of me, but we recently had her own. And talking to her, I, when I found out how old Mm -hmm. she is, I literally almost fell out of my chair. (laughs) I just want to say, I think she's 22, Mm -hmm. if I believe correct. Like, wow. Yeah, she's got it. Like, has lived... I, I got she has had to been here before um mm. but the the That's wisdom yeah that is a great way to put it she's the wisdom such a she brings here yeah it's incredible and then again the way she like in her observation of people and then there's a way she's able to craft and weave the story together whether that's through poetry or filmmaking or short stories like it's been it's blown me away and it has changed how we're able to talk about our work right. based on her her communication skills um Lawrence Matthews, that strategic young man. (laughs) He, in putting pieces together, uh, I don't know if he plays chess, but I imagine he would just be a master chess player. (laughs) Be like, just the, 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 and because I'm, I I could spend days talking about the creativity, but there's something there Mm -hmm. in terms of just placing the things where they need to go so that you can take the next step. So you can take the next Mm -hmm. step. And it's, I've seen him do that for our organization, but I've also seen him do it for individual artists. Mm. So he has folks over to his studio all the time, and I watch him lay roadmaps for people. And if they follow it, their trajectory changes. (laughs) And so his, one, the willingness to even do that with people to me is commendable. But then the fact that he's actually good at it, because I think you can sit up and talk to anybody. Sure. (laughs) But the fact that he's actually good at that is, is something else. And so to have that leading our, our gallery is incredible Mm -hmm. to me. Um, and then Amber Ahmad, they've come in, this is their first year as curator and they are just it's incredible. Killing it right? is all <laughs> you can say. Yeah. I, I've never seen anybody jump in with two feet the way they have. And it's been, I don't know, so empowering to watch them show up fully in themselves and, um, and our galleries benefiting from it. Their, their ability to collaborate with other artists, their ability to cast vision, install work. It's, it's. I mean, that exhibition, Chocolate Cities, that opening was oh, insane. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been possible without them. Um, then we got Madam Frankie, who is just <laughs> always wheel spinning, yes. just turning. Like, she is always, like, and sometimes, she's also one of my close, close, close friends. And so there have been times where she'll sit back, and she's so intent on paying attention and listening that by the time you get to her for a response, like she doesn't have, like she's actively listening in a way that like she's not, cause I, and this, I'm very guilty of this. I'm listening to respond 90% mm-hmm. of the time. I'm listening and as I, as soon as I understand what you're saying, I'm beginning to create to my response. Solve. Right. Yes. 
Um, but she takes this really intentional time to really listen. And then she'll take her moment to come up with something like it to in response. But like it's it's so much in, intention and um, attention to detail that she brings to the space that has transformed our little marketing team. And um, I don't know, like we're watching it happen. Like we're watching people yeah. come to events in in the thousands, right? Like yes. about you so it's like truly she is doing this incredible job and. I, before I keep going, because I, I, <laughs> I don't want to leave anybody off, but it's also really important to me to say that none of us came to this work as art administrators. None of us went to school to be mm-hmm. no art administrator. None of us have gone to class. Like, I mean, we have been doing professional development since we sure. started this journey, but nobody came to the table with this set of skills. Yes. And so they are all also individually building small planes and learning to fly at the same time. And so that's been incredible to watch. And I think watching folks show up do and learn at the same time and do both incredibly quick and incredibly brilliantly. Like it's Mm -hmm. insane. Um, I mean, that goes back to right. Giving people the space when you give people the space and you have the trust in them, mm -hmm. then they succeed and they succeed in ways that you never could have thought imaginable. That's it. That's it. We've got, I'm telling you like succeed and it's like there's again if i talk about their investment like it makes me kind of want to tear up some because like there are folks like dame like dame shows up dame smith he is our uh just transitioned to our program director but was showing up nobody else was there to make sure the whatever was happening yeah (laughs) and um has like really been like the glue in a lot of ways Mm. when things fall through the cracks there's someone there like a big safety net in a lot of ways and so him transitioning to programming director is going to be insane. Like he's also an insane, like he's got this very creative outlook in terms of like telling stories, not just here's my story to tell, but how do I put these four people together to tell this very succinct story? He's wow. Chef's kiss. Your whole (laughs) team and you, um, granted I have not met a lot of these wonderful people and I'm like, I need to just sneak in when y'all are having like a team meeting and be like hi (laughs) but no like the few of you that I have gotten to meet and just hearing y'all speak you are very focused on the long-term game Mm. you are making short-term decisions but you are thinking about them in a long-term impactful way and I think that is making all the difference in the world with the things you guys are able to accomplish yeah I hope so and that's that's a part of it for sure if we're thinking about the black art organizations that came before us um because we ain't the first folks to think to do this like we are absolutely mm-hmm. not just these <laughs> geniuses that came up with something <laughs> no one has ever come up yes. like, that's not the truth <laughs> um but you're an artist in your own right and making that come to life yeah in the way that you have for sure and i think that's it so like the folks who came before us i think or could say the same, but there has been just this lack of investment in a way that there couldn't be a long-term game. Sure. I would have loved to have just picked up a baton and kept going. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but we had to start from scratch. We had yeah. to go back to the starting had line, like the, the generation track. before us, <laughs> right? Before us, it keeps going like that. And so for us to even think about investing ourselves into something like this, we had to believe that there would be something after we were done. Mm-hmm. And so the idea mm-hmm. that all of this I don't think we're going to get all the way to the finish line. I, I think it's going to be a relay race, and I mm-hmm. think we're going to do all that we can, and then we're passing it off. But there has to be something for us to pass off. Yeah. Or we're going to keep starting from scratch. And that 
that's that's not gonna work it's not sustainable it's not and i think uh well and that's why i think that the orange round tower is such a mm -hmm. an important piece of this right mm -hmm. um because you really you really do have something mm -hmm. to pass off you that's really it. do and i'm so excited for that like i don't this is hard and i wouldn't wish this on nobody else like I wouldn't yeah. I, I, I wish all the creativity and storytelling on everybody that comes after me but I wouldn't wish building from scratch on yeah. nobody it ain't it like there's the the power and the freedom but I would much rather see that freedom empowered with resources not just like scrapping it getting it from them like I, I, I want to see I want to see something different for the folks that come behind us I think that's a powerful wish to have. And honestly, I love your transparency in that because I feel like a lot of leaders oftentimes are like, oh, yeah, leadership is hard, but like, I got it. Don't worry. And you're just like, no, this stuff is hard. I don't wish it on you. Anyway. I want to leave you something better. Yeah. So I really want, before you leave us, even mm -hmm. though like I could literally talk to you for three <laughs> more hours, I just know that WXR is going to kill me. Sorry, Jade and Ravi. Um, <laughs> But for those listening who want to be more boots on the ground, who want to be a part of these solutions and also just, you know, financially, guys, financially help, <laughs> like how, where do they start? How do they get involved in doing this and being a better advocate for their communities and what you mm -hmm. guys are doing? I, I think that's a, a few different parts to that. I think in terms of advocating for your community, uh, I'm going to say the same thing I said at the beginning, mm -hmm. get you a team. Like, I don't think, I think we have a very important role to play. I think we have a lane carved out, but I don't think we're everything. I don't think we're the end you all can't be, be all. everywhere at yeah. once, yeah. We need folks to come alongside us in their wildest dreams, in their wildest organizations. They can create, um, that's the only way we can really push this. And so I, 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 I constantly advocate for folks creating stuff. And that don't even mean that my ego's not going to flare up like that because it's there. <laughs> and accounted for. <laughs> but what I'm also committed to is working through that and, and making sure that the folks that come alongside us have the space to grow and flourish, too. Because um, I know we can't do this by ourselves. I don't want to mm -hmm. do it by ourselves, but I know we cannot, literally right? cannot do yes. this by ourselves. Um, so folks who are interested in starting something, one start like because i think we can we can sit around and just think about it all day it feels good to think about it, it feels even better to like tell your parents about it. like oh i've been thinking about doing this thing and like I telling all my friends right speak but, it into existence yes and start doing that's it. what take the step speak <laughs> yes. it take a small exactly. step small steps lead somewhere yeah right that's it. so get with your folks and just start working on it and you're gonna mess up be ready to mess up we that's the hard part victoria yes. I, I, I just told you about my <laughs> ego i hate messing up <laughs> but it's so much a part of the journey and um as long as you're willing to accept that the mess up isn't the end, mm -hmm. that it is just a speed bump, like you can keep pushing and, and the work gets better. It. Yeah. yeah. I about yeah. say the work gets better and better um, the more you mess up. And so, yeah, I think that's that's one way. Mm -hmm. The other, if you if, it, if it's a, a desire to get involved with Tone, uh, get on that newsletter and show up. It's literally show I'm up. I'm going to sign up after this. Good. <laughs> um, I didn't realize there was a newsletter that yeah. I was not getting. <laughs> ToneMemphis.org. And uh, at the very bottom of the home screen, there's a sign up for the newsletter option. But it is a matter of showing up. I think there are folks that think it's more complicated than that. They got to sign. Like, mm -hmm. sign <laughs> I don't know what, they, what they're assuming. But show up to an artist talk show up to an opening reception it's community in there you're mm -hmm. gonna get locked in if you come um and then uh how do people show up like invest and that's not just in uh, yes obviously please god invest in orange mountain yes. tower but also invest in community ran projects 
stop assuming that an extra college degree or doctorate degree is going to send someone the resources they need. Like if someone has the passion, a vision, and is from that community, I promise you, those are going to be the best resources, like the best investment you can make with your resources. So invest in those folks. I hope we're those folks. But if if you in another neighborhood and you see somebody, you have the ability to invest in them. I think that's it. Stop looking for saviors outside of folks communities like give them the space to say like and that's like I, somebody challenged me on saying we don't need saviors and I, I but i lean into that i don't mind like come up alongside me mm-hmm. and let's muscle through this mm-hmm. together but do not stand in front of me i'm not looking for nobody to take nothing mm-hmm. for like i don't need that we don't need you're that. not a damsel in distress at all mm-hmm. <laughs> um and now that's not just me that's er- like these folks in community they have persevered through the most ridiculous circumstances based on a lack of investment your job is not to invest in someone outside of their community to come quote unquote fix them and save them your job if you're interested in doing this work from that level is to invest in them directly mm-hmm. and accept that you're not going to understand it every time like it's very hard for me to explain what's going on with tone to funders that live right. in Carrierville like <laughs> there's no way for me to express to you for real what this experience is because you've been one you've been trained to assume that the folks I work with are down sad can't help themselves like you've been trying to believe this helpless version of a victim and so it's very hard for me to one no that's not who I'm working with that's not how my folks show up there's a huge power a huge perseverance that exists within them I just need your support to make sure they can get their food when they mm-hmm. need to. They can get to the where they, they got a car so they can get where Like, that's the support I'm looking for. I'm not looking. Yeah, I could go on a rant, clearly. I, your passion is just so, you can feel it in this room. <laughs> Guys, I wish you could. Like, But you hear it, how people can get involved and help. And I'm assuming if they go to tonememphis.org, they can also donate as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, they sure can. Perfect. <laughs> Guys, you hear it. You've heard this episode. You've heard all the wonderful things Victoria has spoken about. And I wish we had so much more time to talk <laughs> more. Um, but... Guys, please, if you're listening to this, any of this sparks something in you, like I know it does in me hearing her and the creatives on her team have these conversations, please, 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 I urge you to go to tormentfest.org and donate. If you can't donate financially, I'm sure they will not hesitate to help your take your time. (laughs) (laughs) Putting on exhibitions takes work. That's it, that's it. (laughs) So is there anything else you want to say before you leave us? No, that's it. This yeah. is uh, it's been a we great in it for the long game. Yes, <laughs> we are so excited to see that growth happen. Yes. We are so, so excited. excited. It's just it's that. it's incredible. Yeah, thank you so much, Victoria. Y'all. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, thank you. guys. Okay, guys. That episode. I truly am. I rarely have no words. You know this, but I just am so impassioned for this city after every episode we do but particularly this one has just hit me in a way maybe it's because I'm a creative maybe I'm a little biased but holy cow Anna Warman what the heck did we just hear incredible I told (sighs) you she is incredible so good so before we leave of course we're going to give you a couple of last minute closing notes I hear that uh, New Memphis has a little TED Conference of Bruin. What's happening? Man, it's going to be incredible. So just like um, Victoria brought uh, the stage to the artist here in the city to really, you know, stand on and, and all of that, we are bringing the stage to people who are making change in Memphis. 
um, in the world, potentially. So TEDx Memphis happening at the Levitt Shell on October 30th. Tickets are available right now. Early bird tickets are available um, on TEDxMemphis.com. So please, uh, if you are so inclined, visit TEDxMemphis.com and grab your early bird tickets today. Yes, guys, come to that. And then I'm just going to leave you. Thank you so much to WYXR for giving us this platform to come to you live on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. If you're one of the listeners on our podcasting networks, I love you too. Please keep doing that. Subscribe, like us, give us a follow at the New Memphis on social media, and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you soon. Bye.